Good morning, Clarny. Today is March 29th, the year 2020. The sermon is, I am the way, the truth, and the life, based on John chapter 14, verses 5 to 14. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Or at least, believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Just a few days ago, a flyer circulated in Metro Vancouver from a U.S.-based manufacturer of an immune system boosting acid called Legato. NRP Organics makes a bizarre suggestion in its flyer that its product can help fight the virus by restoring gut function in addition to its regular immune-boosting properties. Just last week, a naturopath in BC got rebuked on social media and from the authorities for claiming to have a cure for COVID-19. Friends, there is no known cure yet for COVID-19, and so let's all continue to practice social distancing. It is the only known method for reducing the risk of passing on this highly contagious disease. Thus far, there is only one way to stay safe. Stay home. Keep washing your hands. Don't touch your face. A few years ago, Maclean's magazine published a timely Easter article with the headline, Jesus saves, and then in parentheses and in much smaller font, seriously, so do Muhammad, Yahweh, Buddha, and Vishnu. Indeed, it has been sociologically and psychologically proven through research that kids raised with spirituality are safer and happier and healthier in the vulnerable teenage years. Now, this may be very true, but what about the young adult and adult years? What do we make of Jesus' claim that he is the only way to the Father? If you can read verse 6. Difficult to accept in such a pluralistic world such as ours, a world where many people think or believe that all roads lead to heaven. A Jesus who is seen as the exclusive way to salvation is seen as arrogant, and some of us may even think that. Yet, today's scripture are Jesus' own words. Now, some of us might feel like we just don't get it. The good news is, we're not alone. Now, many people around Jesus, even his closest friends, didn't get it. Over and over again, Jesus had told his disciples where he was going, but they just didn't understand.
John 7.33 says, I will be with you a little while longer, and then I'm going to him who sent me. Jesus told them that he was going to the Father who sent him and with whom he was one. But they still just didn't get it. They didn't understand what Jesus was talking about. They really struggled with the way he was going because everything Jesus was talking about was pointing to the cross. Jesus was supposed to take over with might and power in their minds. Jesus was supposed to start a huge revolution. He wasn't supposed to die. So at this point, the disciples were really confused. They were really bewildered. There was one among them, at least, who was honest enough and brave enough to vocalize his lack of understanding, and that was Thomas. He was perhaps just too square to be satisfied with any vague spiritual language. Thomas needed to be sure, and so he expressed his doubt forever earning him the reputation of being Doubting Thomas. Now, those among us who are critical thinkers or skeptics have much to thank him because his doubt led to some of the greatest things that Jesus has ever said. And because of Thomas, we have no shame in having doubts because it is indeed true that those who seek will find in the end. Well, if you haven't yet opened your Bibles to today's passage, I invite you to do so. In verses 5 to 6, Jesus said to Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, this is a great saying for us, but it would still be a greater saying to a Jew who heard it for the first time. In the saying, Jesus took three of the great basic conceptions of Judaism and made the tremendous claim that in him, all three of these statements found their full realization. It is still important for us today. Number one, the way. The Jews talked much about the path or way in which people must walk in the ways of God. God said to Moses in Deuteronomy 5, verses 32 to 33, you shall not turn to the right or to the left. You must follow exactly the path that the Lord your God has commanded you. Moses said to the people in Deuteronomy 31, verse 29, I know that after my death you will surely act corruptly, turning aside from the way that I have commanded you. And Isaiah said in chapter 30, verse 21, Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. It was the psalmist's prayer in Psalm 27, verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord. The Jews knew much about the way of God in which they must walk. And Jesus said, I am the way. What did Jesus actually mean by that? I am the way. Now think about it. And when you ask for directions, well, perhaps the guys will have a little bit more difficulty imagining this scenario. The person you're asking may respond with a number of directions, highlighting some landmarks and may even toss in some actual compass markers. Hey, go north here or east at this corner. But before they've even made it halfway, we're just saying to ourselves, hold on, I'm already lost. And if you're anyone like me, you could probably relate to that. But what if that person says, come, just follow me. Let me show you the way. In that case, the person to us is the way. Now, this is what Jesus does for us. He doesn't teach, indeed teach us 
gives us directions and advice for living. But he not only does that, he also takes us by the hand and leads us. He strengthens us. He guides us personally every day. He doesn't just tell us about the way. He is the way. Now, herein lies the true revolution. The old ways of Jewish worship, good as they were, salvation is indeed from the Jews, will no longer do. A new era has dawned in Jesus and the way of salvation, and life is through him alone. John's gospel was written in a Gentile or non-Jewish world where numerous cults and deities and mystery religions competed for the allegiance of the people. Does that sound anything like today's world? Faced with so many different ways, people adopted a strategy of trying to keep all of the deities, all of the gods, happy. There was no need to be committed to any single god or cult of worship. Wow, that's a lot of things to keep track of and gods to appease. How exhausting must that have been? But when we think of it, have things really changed that much? We're still trying to appease so many gods that demand our attention and loyalty. For instance, there's our jobs, there's employment, there's status or title, there's our reputation or markers of success, wealth, material goods, relationships, social media, public opinion, blogs, sports, hobbies, diets, etc. The list just goes on. What sometimes was meant for good and really are good at some point, can actually have some creep into our lives and lifestyles, into our values and outlook, and become actually gods in our lives. As good as these things are, the prominence we give them can sometimes take life away rather than give us life. Jesus is the good shepherd who leads us beside quiet waters. He guides us along the right paths, into green pastures that give us abundant life. Jesus says, I am the way. Let's follow him. Number two, the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 86, verse 11, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. And in Psalm 26, verse 3, the psalmist writes, for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk in faithfulness to you. Friends, we are born into a world filled with untruth, in a world that rewards celebrity and accomplishment as the end-all and be-all of life. We can easily forget about the one who loves us just as we are, both fearfully and wonderfully made. Our culture our advertising, our entertainment, and much of our self-help books, and sometimes our parents even tell us how to improve ourselves, how to make ourselves better than we are. That in and of ourselves is fine. However, what some of us begin to hear are conversations or suggestions or even judgments that say to us, we're not good enough, we're not smart enough or good-looking enough. We're not performing well enough or working hard enough. And ultimately, these statements, if they take root in our minds and our hearts, create a sense of shame, a fear of disconnection from community, a fear that we do not have value because of who we think we are or what we're not. 
the shame leads to us feeling like we don't measure up and that we are excluded from community. And some of us actually believe that. The truth of the matter is that our sense of identity is often being formed by untruth. And we learn to compare ourselves from such an early age. And we have to continually relearn the truth that God cares for us as we are, as is. Psalm 139 verses 13 to 14 say, For you created my most inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I love how social worker, author, and teacher Brené Brown, who is a Jesus follower, by the way, I love how she put it in her book, The Gifts of Imperfection. It is important to know oneself, but it is essential to love the person that you are, warts and all. The truth is, we can only love others in as much as we have learned to love ourselves. In other words, we have to let go of the idea of who we think we should be. And we need to be okay with being imperfect. God does not make mistakes. His grace is sufficient for us. His power is made perfect in our weakness. For only in our weakness are we strong. 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 to 10. Only God can help us become perfect. And when I say perfect, I mean more like Him. Only God can help us to do that. The theological 25-cent word term for this is sanctification. By the way, we only reach perfection when we're fully in God's presence in glory. I love the truth in this quote from Brene Brown. Listen to this. From the moment we are born, we are imperfect and hardwired for struggle, but we are worthy of love and belonging. And this wonderful ability is actually a gift of dependency on others, and it allows us to learn. It is a gift, but we think it is a curse. And what she is really talking about is the gospel. Let me repeat it again. From the moment we are born, we are imperfect and hardwired for struggle. But we are worthy of love and belonging. Friends, we are worthy of love and belonging. John 8.32 says, We will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This truth is something we have to choose to continually remind ourselves of, friends. Psalm 119 verse 30 says, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. We have to intentionally choose to be faithful to the truth that God loves us. We have to choose to believe this, that we are worthy of love and belonging and that God wants us to have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the truth. He will set us free. So let's follow him. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. And finally, Jesus is the life. The writer of the Proverbs said, For this command is a lamp, this teaching is a light, and correction and instruction are the way to life. 
Proverbs 10.17 says, Whoever heeds instruction is on the path to life. Psalm 16 verse 11 says, You show me the path of life. Friends, a friend of mine, my counselor, Dr. John Radford of Transpectives, talks about living abundantly. The reality is, in order to do that, we need to understand something about conflict and vulnerability. The truth is, vulnerability allows us to really live. And this means lowering our shields, coming out from behind the thick protective walls that all we all build around us. Dr. Radford mentions that Brené Brown has proven in her research that we actually numb vulnerability within ourselves because we live in such a vulnerable world. And so we put up shields to protect ourselves from disappointment or rejection or pain. And the problem is we cannot selectively numb our emotions. We often don't want to feel negative emotions such as vulnerability or grief or shame maybe even fear or disappointment. We choose instead to numb ourselves, maybe even self-medicate ourselves, with other things such as food or drink, medications maybe, or thrill-seeking or pleasure, work, maybe anything to divert our attention, all just to avoid these negative emotions, fears, and feelings. The problem is, We cannot numb these negative emotions without numbing everything else. What we really wind up numbing are joy and gratitude and happiness. It's kind of like pressing that Dolby noise reduction button on our stereo system. And then we wind up feeling muted, miserable. So we look for purpose and meaning and then we feel vulnerable again and we try to numb that again and we enter a downward cycle that increasingly gets worse now i am slowly just learning this in my own life that in order to truly live following the lord jesus means leaning into vulnerability jesus did this to the point that he surrendered his life on the cross for us and yet he offers forgiveness despite being betrayed time And again, friends, vulnerability opens us up to attack, yet we allow for that possibility as scary as it is. And when someone does attack or hurt us or wounds us, we're called to forgive. This is abundant life. This is true freedom. It allows us to be fully human and to feel again. Friends, in order to truly live, to have an abundant life means to allow Jesus to be the way, to let him lead us beside quiet waters where we will be vulnerable. We'll put our defenses down and we'll remove all the shields we have in place to protect ourselves. And then we'll be invited to accept Jesus as the truth in our lives. We'll come to a place where we have to choose to trust that God does not make mistakes, that we are made imperfect, hardwired for struggle, yet we are worthy of love and acceptance. And at that point is when we'll be able to really true life that is filled with meaning. Friends, Jesus is indeed the way 
the truth, and the life. Let's follow this good, good shepherd beside the quiet waters and nourishing green fields. Thanks be to God. Amen. This is Pastor Dave. Have yourself a great weekend. Peace to you.